ministry in the church can be life-giving and life-changing. And in the midst of it, we all need faithful companions along the road. Welcome to Along the Road, a podcast on faith and leadership for ministry leaders of the PCUSA. So you're serving as a ruling elder or a deacon in the church, but you also have almost a dozen other roles. Friend, spouse, organizer, chef, volunteer, board member, driver, secretary, fill in the blank. Come join us in the midst of your day, wherever you are, to be inspired in your role in the church, become nourished and renew your call. Formation as a leader doesn't happen all at once. So let's walk along this road together. I'm Martha Miller, a ruling elder and a certified Christian educator serving within the PCUSA Office of the General Assembly. And I'm excited to travel on this journey with you. As we think about life in the Presbyterian Church USA, 2024 is a big one because it is, as we say, a GA year. Our General Assembly meets every other year. And this summer, the 226th Assembly will gather for discernment, for worship, and to consider business. Much of that business comes from you. As a part of the church, and particularly as a leader, you have a say in how the church moves forward in its life and in its ministry. Our podcast episode today is about that very topic, how you can make a difference. Today is all about overtures, that item of business that comes from a presbytery or a synod in the form of a recommendation or matter of concern for the whole church. These are the items that are then voted upon by committee of the assembly first and then by the whole assembly. Our guests today are Susan DeGeorge and Gregory Simpson. Gregory and Susan both serve within the Hudson River Presbytery in New York and have been very involved in overture work, particularly related to matters of climate change. Susan and Gregory, welcome. (laughs) And um, I invite you to tell us a little bit more about yourselves, if you would. Thank you, Martha. It's been really, really great to to be here. I'm a pastor in the Hudson River Presbytery. I am a solo pastor at Norshawn Presbyterian Church in Pearl River. Uh, that's in Rockland County. I also served formally up until December as the treasurer of the Hudson River Presbytery. And I also have a, play a role in as an at-large member of the Mission Responsibility Through Investment, MRTI. Great. Thank you very much. Susan? I'm uh, Susan DeGeorge. I'm the stated clerk is one of my two roles at the Presbytery, and the other is the Congregational Assessment Specialist. I also teach at Mercy University uh, in philosophy and religion, where my area of concentration is religion and the environment. I'm a member, I've been for, I'm guessing now, about eight to ten years, a member of the board of Fossil Free PCUSA. And before I became stated clerk, I served three different parishes, all in Hudson River. Thank you for helping us get to know you a little bit better. And again, we're, we're glad you're here for this episode. 
many of us, particularly of a certain age, may remember Schoolhouse Rock and learning how a bill becomes a law. I'm assuming, Gregory and Susan, that you don't have a song prepared, <laughs> um, but I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about what need was sensed and how your overture creation work began when, when all of this started for you. Uh, several overtures have come through Hudson River, right? Uh, the fossil-free divestment um, has come through each year, but I think as well we've brought uh, overtures on factory farming, um, on environmental racism, et cetera. And so one of the first things we had to figure out was a way to build a network. To have an overture work really well, you need both a network within a presbytery and within larger between presbyteries, Right. And back in for the Fossil Free Peace USA Overture, for instance, fossil fuel divestment, back in 2012, um, a group of us who were interested in the environment all got together at that GA and began to think about, well, how would we do this for the 2014 GA in, in uh, Detroit? And so that was working on crafting a bill between GAs, between us, so that we had overtures to bring. At the same time, um, there were a group in Hudson River who were uh, knew each other because we all worked on environmental issues together. When we began to talk, a lot of us, uh, several of us in the Presbytery were all uh, what were called Green Faith Fellows. Green Faith is an environmental group for religious uh, organizations, and we had all worked through that program. And so we knew each other within the Presbytery, and that gave us a good start there. And then in 2014, we also organized what became HRP Green, which is an environmental group in the Presbytery that has worked, I think at this point, um, with environmental issues in probably at least half our F71 congregations. And so that gave us a network within the Presbytery to bring an overture through. And so we, once we had shaped it through the more national group, we had the inroads of how to get it into Hudson River pretty clearly. Um, we used those congregations and those pastors and those ruling elders. And HRP Green is about half ruling elders and half ministers and had them bring it through their congregations. And each year since when we've brought environmental overtures, we've been lucky to have those two networks. And so that's if there's something that's probably what I learned from all the years of writing overtures before, it's having those networks in place. And making those connections. And I'm an introvert, so a GA, that's a hard thing to do. But it's worth it to me in order to get something that I really care about into the attention of the of the denomination. So it sounds like, as you've highlighted, one of the pieces for somebody who might be thinking about how an overture comes to be, it starts with people with a particular passion or seeing a particular need that needs to be addressed, whether that's, in your case, being climate change and the and the fossil fuel issues, or whether that's something within the book of order that somebody sees needs rewording, for instance. But the important part I feel like that you've addressed really is the the connection with other folks. So it might start with a person or people with a particular passion, but it really takes getting other people on board and and a part of that. I mean, one of the things I love about our, our um, polity is we're a connectional church, right? Mm -hmm. And that's true within the presbytery and getting an overture through. 
And it's true at GA, getting an overture to committee and through committee to plenary at GA. Mm-hmm. We are a connectional church. We build on those connections. I'd, I'd, I'd just add to this and say that, you know, my entry point is around about 2016 and got involved both with, with Fossil Free at that time. So I had a, a very clear sense of the urgency with which, you know, Fossil Free was kind of working assiduously to get the divestment overture through. Later on, as I moved into work with the Presbytery, you know, Hudson River, HRP Green, and, um, you know, in my role as treasurer, we have had to contend with issues that are contentious. But I think what has happened over that period of time is that there's been a better sense of a, a better understanding of how overtures need to be articulated, argued, based on some very clear facts. And I, I think that that in and of itself has been, for me, one of the uh, um, fortunate aspects of my work with looking at or hearing about overtures and how they come together and why it's so important for almost every aspect of the church's leadership to be integrally involved in that process. It's not something that is driven by any one individual or even one small group of individuals. It's connectional, as, as, as Susan, Susan has said. So. Mm-hmm. And, and it's connectional in that it also requires, in order to make an overture successful to get to GA, also important to have somebody that can look at the actual polity, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the idea and then somebody has to shape it. And in in the both the overture, for instance, on factory farming and the one on environmental racism, I was lucky that I had a colleague in what was then the Monmouth Presbytery who was the stated clerk, Sue Smith there. And mm-hmm. I could both look at it from a stated clerk perspective to see if it was meeting mm-hmm. policy. But it's important to make that kind of connection pretty quickly as well. Is there somebody who knows polity well and can make sure you're not going to be heading down a path that's not going to make for polity, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things, again, that I'll just pull out of what both of you said is not only the importance of having somebody review it from a polity perspective and seeing how it connects with the rest of the church and with our beliefs as Presbyterians. But also, Gregory, I heard you talking about sort of about research and and being able to back up the facts and the reasoning and that kind of thing as a part of of that overture. Yeah, I mean, a part of that, the, the presentation is that mm-hmm. there's a rationale, theological and otherwise, that, that justifies the, the reasons why it is that a particular uh, presbytery is bringing forward this particular overture. I mean, it has to be rooted in the foundations of the church. It's not, it's not brought as, as some kind of, abs- in an abstract way. It's really centered on our understanding of the theolo- theology and the, and the polity of, of, the, of PCUSA, of the Presbyterian Church. And that, that then gives us uh, a firm grounding to start a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Then we can layer on that the facts 
the things that are driving us, the number of issues in relationship to climate change, numbers of deaths, increase in temperature, you know, who is being most egregious, issues of environmental racism. We can quantify numbers. You can you can start adding meat to justify uh, the reasoning, the rationale for for bringing an overture to the General Assembly. Now, the pathway can be tricky because you need to have support. You need to have broad-reaching support. As, as Susan knows, you need to have not only one presbytery, but a synod, if not a council. So everybody, as many individuals who can be on board, uh, need to be have a, have a voice in that rationale to begin with, and then we can build out from there. It also, I mean, part of what, what, especially on environmental things that I became aware of, that in a way, for instance, working on Amendment B or same-gender marriage, I wasn't mm-hmm. quite as aware of, was how this varies so much per presbytery and per synod mm-hmm. that it's got to be an overture that's not going to be an overture that's going to work for the synod of the Northeast, yeah. but yeah. an overture that's going to work across the country. So... When the, uh, Sue Smith from from Monmouth Presbyterian and I ended up at a polity conference meeting with people from Synod of the Sun and talking with them about, well, you know, here's your concerns about our bringing this overture. How, how are we going to balance those to, to what we're trying to do in the Northeast? Mm-hmm. Because we're really looking at something that's got to work for the whole church, yeah. not just for one little region of the country. And on environmental things, that's a hard thing to do. What somebody is experiencing is, you know, floods and rains may be very different than the high, dry temperatures that are in another part of the country. And Susan, I think that's even important in in other aspects of overtures. For instance, those that might be looking to change some aspect of polity within the Book of Order. That remembering mm. that it, this may not be an issue where you are but it is an issue somewhere. And so maybe it needs to be addressed by the larger church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think thinking about the fact that this is for the Presbyterian Church USA, that's, and again, that connectional piece um, Mm -hmm. that's so important through all of this. I think that's a great, a great point. It -hmm. becomes a balancing act almost, right? Mm -hmm. So how much am I going to be prophetic and pushing and how much am I going to be pastoral and mm-hmm. trying to work with all the regions that are going to be affected by whatever overture I'm trying to bring? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really important to look at all the different angles that are going to be affected by what you're bringing in an overture. You know, one of the things that you, you, you've mentioned, Martha, several times, passion. And you need passion in order to do this because yeah. he's right. It's a lot of research and it's looking at it from a lot of angles. And so it has to be something you really care about and you really believe in in order to be willing to to put in the time that's going to be required to do this well. Yeah, and it and it does take time. And oh, yeah. I think the the reality is that we are a body of imperfect people as well. And I'm aware that with that also means that our processes sometimes become an impediment. I know you you had some frustrations along the way as well. It's not all this glorious work. 
I'd, I'd really like to know what advice you all might have to ruling elders and, and deacons maybe who have sensed a need for business before the church. What advice might you give given both of your experience with overture building? I would say for me, it would be it would be two things. One is real clarity on the way in which your overture is going to affect everybody. Real clarity on that. I mean, it's not enough. It's it's enough to be passionate, but you need much more than passion to bring it to it, it to into some kind of fruition, some kind of result that is 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 important. And the second piece I would I would add is a clear understanding of the denominational breadth and scope of what you're or you're dealing with. And and toggle to that is the organization of people behind that. So if you don't have those two pieces together, and even as as, as Susan has said, I mean you know, the environmental, the, the fossil free overture had all those pieces together and didn't didn't go through. I mean, I think what this fossil free uh, overture has demonstrated is that there's broader reach and there was broader capacity and there's a broader understanding. The fact that it failed on the floor is not so much of a, a barrier in my mind, as opposed to the sensitization of more people because of the level of advocacy that went into play. And, and that's maybe that's something as well, Martha, to highlight is even if something doesn't make it through GA. So, for instance, with the fossil fuel overture, the Senate divested. Yeah, right. We began to do this. And Hudson River has partially divested. Yeah. And several of the other sponsoring presbyteries have divested. And those are all impacts of the overture, even though it didn't get all the way. Mm-hmm. And didn't go where we wanted. It's made differences along the way, and so it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah, that's gr- thank you so much for for bringing that up, Susan. I think that's a really, really important piece and something for us to to really think on and and remember. And I really look forward to seeing how the Holy Spirit moves through this business and through the work of the assembly and through the work of individuals and and their ministry. So thank you so much, Gregory and Susan, for being with us today. It was an absolute pleasure. This really is important and critical ministry, and I'm thankful that you all have been a part of it. So thank you for the parts that you've played within these overtures and within the work of the assembly. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Martha. We hope that you have been nourished through this episode of Along the Road. You're invited to visit the website for PCUSA Leader Formation for additional nourishment for ruling elders and deacons. PCUSA.org slash leader dash formation. This has been the Along the Road podcast. We look forward to crossing paths with you again soon. 